chapter one of armand durand this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by bruce peary armand durand or a promise fulfilled by rosanna le Proen. chapter one among the earliest french settlers who had established themselves in the seigneury of alonville we will call it on the banks of the st lawrence was a family of the name of durand and the large and valuable farm which had come down from father to son in regular succession had enabled them always to maintain their position as leading men in the district in which their lot had been cast they were a strong and handsome race industrious and thrifty too though in no manner parsimonious paul durand tall straight with jet-black hair and eyes dark skin and regular features was a good specimen of their male representatives unlike most of his countrymen who usually at least in the rural parts marry at a very early period of life paul had reached the age of thirty before he decided on taking to himself a wife the cause of this lay not so much in indifference to conjugal happiness as in the fact that for some years before he had attained the age of manhood his father had died and his widowed mother had thenceforth continued to live with him in the paternal homestead ruling alike his purse and household with a judicious though arbitrary hand his only sister francoise had married at sixteen a respectable country merchant in a neighboring village to whom she brought not only a handsome face but a comfortable dower so mrs durand was at liberty to watch over and devote herself entirely to her son what a fine old homestead was that over which she presided and how strong is the temptation to pause and describe it the house of rough masonry was substantially though irregularly built with a large elm shadowing the front and dazzlingly white outbuildings and fences these latter were all regularly whitewashed every year a proceeding which imparted an additional air of thrift to the well-kept well-stocked farmyard at one end of the building stretched out the garden a quaint mixture of vegetables and flowers where superb moss roses flanked beds of onions and delicate heart's ease asters and carnations bordered squares of beets and carrots in one corner conveniently located amid a perfect wilderness of blossoms of every hue and shape was a long wooden stand on which were ranged some eight or ten beehives but why linger over the description any one who has sailed past the banks of our noble st lawrence or those of the smaller though picturesque richelieu must have seen many such homes probably paul durand feared that the conflicting claims of a wife and a mother in the one household might not answer as well in his home as it did in that of many others on account of the difficulty the elder mrs durand might find in yielding any portion of the authority she had heretofore sovereignly wielded it was therefore only after the mourning put on for that well-loved mother who had died in his arms had been worn its allotted period that he commenced thinking of looking for a companion to fill the void death had made in the old farmhouse the chief difficulty of the task however lay in the number he would have to choose from 
for the richest dowered as well as handsomest girls of the parish would have looked favorably on his suit but not among them was his choice destined to be made the seigneur of alonville was a wealthy kind-hearted man named de courval and as he was hospitable like most of his class his large substantially built manor-house was filled every summer with a succession of friends from the neighboring parishes or from montreal in which city most of his relatives resided among these latter was a family but recently arrived from france and most willingly they accepted mr de courval's pressing invitation to spend part of the summer with him mr and mrs lubois came bringing in their train two young children aged respectively seven and nine and their nursery governess the latter genevieve Audet, was a pale fragile-looking girl with delicate pretty features and quiet timid manners educated sufficiently for the humble post she occupied but possessing in reality no great acquirements beyond it she was a portionless cousin seven times removed of the family she lived with and in her case as in that of many others the circumstance of relationship by no means improved her condition they generally ignored whilst she never even hinted at the fact the only effect of it apparently being to prevent her bettering her condition by seeking a situation in another family lest the doing so should bring discredit on the connection which was such a barren honor to her paul durand often called at mr de courval's partly because they had some interests in common having purchased between them a large tract of swampy ground at a nominal price which they were now proceeding to utilize by draining and partly because these visits were a source of real pleasure to mr de courval who was as excellent a farmer in theory as durand was in practice and delighted to talk over crops drainage and farm stock with one whose success in all these things was so good an illustration of the justice of his opinions concerning them when he called at the manor-house if the master of the establishment had visitors staying with him he and paul generally betook themselves to the quiet room which served the double purposes of library and office and there they chatted and smoked mr de courval's excellent tobacco undisturbed the latter would willingly have introduced paul to his more fashionable friends for he both esteemed and respected him but durand naturally avoided society in which the conversation generally ranged on town topics with which he was unacquainted and the interlocutors in which dialogues were sometimes at little pains to hide the species of contemptuous indifference they felt for his social position in coming and going he often encountered genevieve Audet and her little charges and he sometimes felt grieved sometimes irritated by the species of tyranny the spoiled unruly children seemed to exercise over their luckless governess simple and straightforward in all things he one day communicated his opinions on the subject to mr de courval and without perceiving the pleasant twinkle ominous of matchmaking that suddenly gleamed in that gentleman's eye 
paul placidly listened to an eloquent panegyric on miss oday's virtues accompanied by some touching allusions to her trials and troubles which were indeed only too well grounded then his host asked him to accompany him to look at his splendid mangle wurzel and somehow or other they strolled up to where genevieve sat under a spreading maple trying to coax her unruly pupils to learn that canada was not in africa as they persisted in asserting it was what more natural than that mr de courval should introduce his companion to the governess and then whilst they exchanged a few words address some laughing remarks to the children which soon drew down on him a torrent of childish chatter genevieve's manner had very little of the animation for which french women are famed and the sad lessons her short young life had already afforded had imparted a reserved almost cold tone to language and manner yet paul found himself strangely attracted toward her she was so delicate so helpless-looking in appearance so desolate so unhappy in reality that he could not avoid feeling that species of inward impulse which all noble manly men know in the presence of oppressed weakness the desire to protect and succor the interview lasted much longer than he was aware for it had proved a very interesting one nor was it the last for a couple of days after mr de courval sent for him to come and inspect some vegetable monster in the shape of a huge turnip capable of winning a prize not only for its size but also for its ugliness and inferiority in point of taste or nutritious properties the curiosity was duly examined and commented on and then in strolling round they came again upon miss oday and her charges and again mr de courval engaged the latter in noisy childish talk whilst durand by no means backward addressed himself to their governess the favourable impression made on him by the latter was strengthened by this second interview and fully confirmed by one or two subsequent meetings there was no longer any necessity for mr de courval's sending for paul for he now had constantly some message to bring to the manor-house or some question to ask the seigneur there were no obstacles in the way for mrs lubois and her husband had returned to montreal leaving their children and governess at mr de courval's kindly urged request at his house his old housekeeper a respectable widow occupying a place in his household superior to that of a common servant being there to satisfy propriety one sultry afternoon that paul was taking his way thither thinking very little of his ostensible message and very much of genevieve oday he perceived the latter seated with her pupils under a cluster of towering pines a little out of the direct road to the house and he bent his steps towards them his movements were slow the soft green turf gave back no echo of his footsteps so the group under the pines were totally unconscious of his approach probably had it been otherwise the scene he witnessed would have been somewhat modified in its developments the governess very pale and unhappy-looking was seated on a low garden stool a half-closed book in her hand 
her youngest pupil was beside her betraying by laugh and look the high approval he bestowed on the spirited conduct of his elder brother who stood in front of the hapless genevieve defiance flashing from his eyes whilst he informed her that he would not learn any longer from her because his mamma had often said she was not able to teach him and that she did not know how to direct or bring up children with wonderful gentleness the girl rejoined that even if mrs lubois had said so he must learn from and obey herself till his mamma had procured another governess and that duty obliged her to insist till then on his learning the lessons in which he was so backward that's all your fault shouted the young rebel mamma says we will never learn anything till we have a tutor and that she would get us one to-morrow only she does not know what to do with you nobody will marry you as you have no dough marriage portion in general paul was exceedingly tolerant of the shortcomings of children and no clover fields were so boldly invaded for strawberries in summer nor trees so fearlessly climbed into for wild plums and nuts in autumn as were his indeed he was frequently taken to task by his neighbors on the score that his excessive leniency had a most demoralizing effect on the youth of the village to which rebuke he would reply that they must not forget that they had all been children once in the present instance however he fiercely clenched his hand whilst an expletive better left unrecorded escaped his lips fearing for his self-command and knowing that interference at the present moment might prove most injudicious on miss o'day's account he abruptly turned down a dense alley of evergreens and after having arrived in the midst of the walk threw himself down full length on the green sward and taking out his handkerchief wiped his forehead he seemed strangely moved but paul durand never indulged in soliloquy so after a half-hour's deep thought he rose and slowly walked back to the spot in which he had left genevieve she was still there her eyes intently bent on the earth and a look more weary and languid than usual on her small regular features the shrill voices of the children engaged in a noisy game of romps re-echoed near but she did not seem to hear them or durand either as he quietly accosted her on his repeating the usual salutation in a louder key she looked up and he then said i suppose i must not ask what miss o'day was thinking of her thoughts seemed very far away yes they were in france ah without doubt because miss genevieve has many friends there whom she dearly loves no was the softly spoken reply i have none there now there was nothing sentimental or affected in the quiet voice in which this was said and paul looked silently down at her the golden sunlight slanting between the branches lighted up the delicate oval face the large soft eyes and though he had never read a novel in his life he felt the magic charm of the scene and situation as keenly as if he weakly perused half a dozen of them long and earnest was his scrutiny 
noting face and form even to the slight small fingers that mechanically turned the leaves of the book she still held and on which her eyes were again bent and then he inwardly said such a girl as that indeed not able to marry without a dot ah madame lubois we shall see with the courtesy and ease of manner which the canadian farmer no matter how poor or illiterate he may be usually possesses he seated himself on the long garden bench beside her and now if the reader anticipates or dreads a love scene we hasten to assure him or her the supposition is groundless and will content ourselves with saying that when paul durand and genevieve slowly walked up to the house a half hour afterwards they were promised man and wife the deep flush on the girl's face the brilliancy of her eyes told of happiness as well as emotion and in paul's look there was a blending of honest exultation tempered with a tender gentleness of look and manner that augured well for the future of both very undemonstrative very quiet lovers were they however so much so that when mr de courval suddenly came upon them the faintest suspicion of the real state of matters never dawned on him and merely inwardly thinking how unusually well genevieve looked he pressingly asked durand up to the house the latter accepted the invitation and genevieve suddenly anxious on the score of her unruly pupils turned her steps towards the summer-house from which their voices proceeded raised in angry dispute seated in mr de courval's study durand without much circumlocution informed his well-pleased host of what had just taken place begging him to fulfil the duty of writing to inform mrs lubois of the state of affairs please tell her mr de courval terminated the suitor to allow the marriage to take place as soon as possible and above all things don't forget to say that i want no dough mrs lubois was written to a cold answer soon came saying that genevieve was free to do as she pleased but as the match was not a remarkably brilliant one there was no reason for immoderate haste the parties interested especially durand thought otherwise and a couple of weeks afterwards they were married in the village church very early in the morning mr de courval triumphantly giving away the bride as mr lubois had found it impossible to be in alonville at that particular time the breakfast given by the good-natured seigneur was sumptuous though there were so few to partake of it and as he heartily shook durand's hand at parting he slyly whispered how well we have got on after all without our noble cousins it was probably the fear of this very cousinship being claimed by the new married couple that prompted the unkind and otherwise unaccountable indifference the lupois had displayed during the course of the wooing and wedding they were not going they angrily reasoned to expose themselves to the incursions of unpolished country clodhoppers mr de courval might make as much of the farmer durand as he liked because he lived in the country where society was not only limited but less select they however could not think of admitting hobnailed boots and rustic manners into their aristocratic drawing-room 
End of chapter one.